Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 438 with Connell Barrett, The Modern Guy's Guide to Total Confidence and Romantic Connection. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect she deserves in life and love. I wrote a book called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love, and it's filled with 30 tips and exercises to help you step more fully into your value. It's available now on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. And this week's tip on becoming a woman a woman of value is, is love your body. We tend to be so critical of our bodies and it's it really just gets in the way of our success in life, our confidence. And I want to encourage you to give your body some love and not have so much self-loathing and body loathing. And uh, I've given some tips on the show before on how to love your body, but like give some love to a part that you really are pushing away at this point. So if it's often for women, it's their belly or your thighs, maybe put a little sparkle glitter on, on those parts of your body or use some massage oils do something to give your body a little bit more love today. And before I bring Connell on, I want to remind anybody who's not yet a part of my Facebook group, Your Last First Date, to join us. We have a fabulous group with incredible monitors who keep this group safe and sound. It keeps you moving towards your last first date, and it's not a place where you can just come and yell about how terrible dating and men are, even though we're going to talk a little bit about how dating sucks today. So join your last first date on Facebook. And now for my guest, Connell Barrett, he has one mission, and that is to help men defeat loneliness and attract their soulmates as their most authentic and confident selves. He is the founder of Dating Transformation, and he's a coach with The League. He spent years training with the world's best relationship and self-development experts, and his next project is his forthcoming book, which we're going to speak about today, Dating Sucks But You Don't, to be published in May by Simon & Schuster. Welcome to the show, Connell. Sandy, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm psyched to be on Last First Date Radio. (laughs) Well, happy to have you here. And we don't often have dating coaches for men, so this is a great angle. I would love to hear a little bit about your story. I know that uh, you had a very short marriage and then a five-year quest to rebuild your self-worth. Tell us a little bit about that. I did. I was I was pretty much dateless in high school and college and well into my 20s. I was battling. I'm a natural introvert, and I never had an older sibling to sort of quote unquote, show me the ropes with women and dating. So I just barely dated. And in my mid twenties, I married a woman who I, I liked a lot, but I wasn't in love. And our relationship ended, she, she dumped me after nine weeks. And uh, at the time I joked that our wedding was over so quickly, we fought for custody of the wedding cake. Um, <laughs> so I, I tried to laugh it off at the time, but it was really painful because she was the only woman I'd ever been with. And then she ended it and I felt rejected by all women. And that was a really scary feeling. I remember 
being in my red Honda Civic, driving to Dillard's department store with the back seat filled with wedding gifts to be returned. And some of them hadn't even been opened yet because it had only been nine weeks. And that was the moment when I realized, okay, I sooner or later, I have to figure out how this whole dating thing works, how you find confidence, how you date around enough to get some options to find out who's a really good fit and a really good match for you, instead of doing what I did at the time, which was settle for the quote, best I could get instead of, instead of settling down with a wonderful woman for me. Mm. Well, first of all, um, sorry that happened to you, but it sounds like it was a catalyst for some, uh, some incredible work that got you where you are today. So that's a good thing. And I want to say that I had an older sibling who did not show me the ropes at all. <laughs> In fact, she's somebody who I now show the ropes to. So having an older sibling doesn't always help. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, uh, I think that the other thing I wanted to point out that you said is that it's often the case that we create these stories, this narrative that because one person rejects us, all women are you know, going to reject us. All women are, all men are. And that's a really dangerous place to be. And it keeps a lot of people stuck. So what would you say to a man who gets stuck in that place? Because you were able to go through your, your whole process. Right. You're, you're, you're totally right. We, we tell ourselves stories. We tell ourselves, we, we play a, a mental horror movie on this screen in our minds. And the movie might be called, You're Not Good Enough or you can't find love. And we tell, we, so we, we, we play these stories over and over again. And the story I played until well into my thirties actually was called, you're not enough. You're a dorky, nerdy ginger who isn't sexy, isn't handsome and women just aren't into. That's a long title for a movie, but <laughs> it's the one that was playing. And the advice I would give men, for that matter, women as well, is to catch this story playing in your mind and realize, wait a minute, what f feel isn't always real. I felt in insignificant to women. I felt ugly. I felt too nerdy and dorky or too introverted. But the truth was I just hadn't, I, I hadn't sort of evolved into the best, most authentic version of me, into the most attractive version of me. And that's funny. I look back on, on all the, the potential women I could have dated back then in my, in my youth. I actually had a lot of interest from women, but I didn't see it as interest at the time. I saw it as, oh, she just likes me as a friend because I had that story playing. In fact, there's a story in my book. I, I worked at a restaurant in my mid-20s, and there was a really cool, cute, a uh, waitress who worked there. I was a waiter. She was a waitress. And I was in the break room and I was sucking on a, on a lollipop. And her name is Tara. Tara came up to me, got three feet from me, like, you know, eyeball to eyeball and made eye contact with me, took the sucker out of my mouth and put it into her mouth, sort of looking at me longingly. <laughs> and now don't get me wrong. Every part of my body was very excited by what was happening, but I never once thought that she was flirting with me. Mm -hmm. I thought, I didn't think, I thought she just wanted my sucker. I didn't think she quote unquote wanted my sucker. So <laughs> I didn't flirt. 
I didn't ask her out. Uh, and this happened many times. So back to your question, men and women need to be aware of the stories we tell ourselves because they're this, this lens we see the world, our dating lives through. And if we're not careful, that story can blind us to opportunities to people who might be interested in us or, or blind us to actions we can take to fix a flawed dating life. So uh, basically you want to cat, be aware of these stories, stand guard at the door of your mind, as Tony Robbins likes to say, and call BS on these stories and then start to write a new empowering story. Mm, I love that. I'm actually enrolled in a five-day challenge to rewrite your narrative. I, I'm really always interested in this because I think we, we're not even aware of the stories we tell ourselves because we believe it's true. And you know your story about the, the, the lollipop really rings true for me too. I, I'm an introvert. I never picked up on cues ever. Like years later, I remember men saying to me, I really had a crush on you in high school. And I'm like, are you serious? So we, we often will be blinded by the, the, the cues that people put out because we don't believe in ourselves. We don't know how to flirt. We don't understand flirting. There's a lot that we need to know. Um, and, and that brings me to my next question, because I know that for men, uh, most men learn how to be with women from pickup artists. I know when my son was trying to develop confidence, he would watch a lot of pickup artists and it's, it's extremely manipulative. A lot of these guys are just interested in seeing what they can get instead of really having a relationship. And so tell us how your approach is different. Well, I guess I, I learned my approach by working with all kinds of coaches. Over the course of five, six years, I went to a dozen different countries and I worked with classy, cool, well-meaning coaches, self-help experts, but I also worked with a handful of quote-unquote pickup artists. And I, I, I just wanted to learn from everyone. I guess I wanted to learn the dark arts as well. Mm -hmm. um, even though I didn't think of them as the dark arts, I just thought, oh, well, all these, all these male coaches are telling me to, to be a jerk to women, be an alpha male, uh, put women in their place, or at least make sure that they're beneath you. And I thought, well, this feels kind of gross, but maybe this is the way it works. Um, I, I guess I'll try it. Uh, being a nice guy hadn't seemed to be working for me. So, and I think my, a big breakthrough I had, Sandy, was I hired this coach who's famously infamous, Time Magazine. I won't name his name, but Time Magazine asked if he was the most hated man in America. And he, he gave me some advice, worst advice I ever got. He said, go out for a month. He said, Connell, you're too nice of a guy. Go out for a month and just be a total jerk to women. Be a dick. Say polarizing things and, and be insulting and be challenging and be this alpha brash persona. He didn't say the word persona, but so that was the advice. So I tried it for about 12, 14 days. And women looked at me like I was an alien. <laughs> I, I would tell, I would, I would be on the dance floor and I'd say, hey, you stop dancing. And women would look at me like, who the hell are you? You know, go to hell. <laughs> and I, I was uh, the the low point was two or two low points. One one woman I was talking to, her friend came up to me because I was being so obnoxious, and she poured a glass of ice water down my shirt. 
well-deserved by the way. <laughs> and that was a, that was a very bracing moment in more ways than one because I said, well, okay, being a jerk, being a pickup artist doesn't work. Uh, be, I should say being a, a, an a-hole doesn't work. And that was a big epiphany for me because what I, did, what I then did is, is I did the complete opposite of that. I basically said, you know what? I, I was like George Costanza in that great Seinfeld episode. I said, I'm gonna do the opposite of what all these pickup guys say. <laughs> I'm gonna be so incredibly vulnerable and real and do the opposite of all the things I've been doing. So I went out one night and I said, I'm just gonna be Connell. I'm gonna be a dork. I'm gonna be a nerd. I'm gonna be, you know, use puns and make dad jokes. <laughs> it was just my <laughs> sense of humor. And I'm just gonna see who likes that. And I had this incredible night where women responded to me. They were, they were so warm, not all of them, but I remember I, there was a woman I met that night and I walked up to her and I was just being really genuine and silly and dorky and, and telling my dad jokes. And she just really liked my vibe. And, she, and about one minute into our conversation after I approached her, she said, okay, you have 10 seconds to kiss me. Ooh. 10, nine, eight. She started counting down and I said, well, it wouldn't be gentlemanly. It wouldn't be gentlemanly of me to deny a woman. Um, so I was like, that was a, and that, that night was a big breakthrough for me because I realized, wow, there's incredible power in being what I call radically authentic, which is about leaning into who you truly are at your core and broadcasting that out to the people you date so that they, so that you attract the kind of person who loves the real you and you won't attract people who aren't into your type, but that's fine. We don't need to attract very many people. We just need to attract a few, date a while, and then find that person you really connect with. So this little adventure of going out, trying to be a jerk, fake alpha guy, actually led to me doing the exact opposite, which led to the breakthrough and sort of forms the core of what I teach, which is being radically authentic. Hmm. I love that you explored both sides and realized you couldn't be this dick. Um, and uh, I, I, I agree with you in that being true to yourself is so important because you're going to connect to somebody who likes who you are. And there's a lot of bait and switch in the dating world. I, I know that there's there are these rules books, and I've spoken about them before on the podcast, rules for women that are pretty similar to what a pickup artist would say, you know, in the sense that you do all these things to hook a guy, and then you reveal the real you. And it's like, whoop, what, who, who's this person? I would personally hate it if somebody did that to me. But there's a there's a balance, you know. I, I read a New York Times article. There was this guy who believed in radical honesty, and he encouraged people to do kind of the same thing you did, where he would just say, "Just do whatever, you know, say whatever is real for you. Just be honest with everybody. Tell people, you know, you're boring. I can't stand talking to you." <laughs> and this guy decided he was going to try it for a while, and it works to a degree, but it doesn't really work in the long run because you have to have some social graces. So where do you draw the line right. with radical with radical authenticity when it comes to, you know, having you you gotta have some game. You've gotta you gotta be able to know how to flirt and not just just be you. Cause a lot of times people say just be you and the you hasn't been working. 
Right. Yeah, I think you're talking about radical honesty, the the Brad Blanton book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and AJ Jacobs wrote an art that might be the author of the article you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. Blanton had an interesting idea, radical honesty. Here's the problem with that though. Blanton, the, the idea of being radically honest is better than being radically dishonest, of course, but you can be you can be so you can be brutally honest. Right. And there's no need to be brutally honest with anyone. Uh, look, play, uh, uh, Aristotle was wrong about a lot, <laughs> but he was right. He had this idea called the golden mean. This idea that between two extremes is that sweet spot, basically. So you could be brutally honest, which I think is too extreme. You can be a liar and a fake, which I think is obviously unethical and wrong. But there's a sweet spot in the middle where you combine honesty with grace, empathy, how about being radically honest, but making sure it's through the lens of, of grace or empathy with mm -hmm. people or your date or women? I think that's the magic word. One of the magic words is empathy. Sure, I'm going to go out on a date or approach a woman and be completely raw and real to a degree, but I'm not going to hopefully say anything or do anything that will be so honest that it makes her feel bad uh, or be hurtful. Um, I might do it accidentally because I'm human and I mess up like we all do. But when, my definition of radical authenticity is leaning in to who you truly are at your core. At the same time, having some self-awareness, having some empathy, having some kindness and care for the person you're with, while also being that real person. And that I found is the sweet spot. Uh, so I think it's a bit of a it's a bit of a gimmick to say, I'm just going to be like Jim Carrey from the movie Liar, Liar, and just say every word that's on my mind. No, don't do that, because then you'll be a vulgar jerk, right. <laughs> maybe. Or, or maybe, you'll be, maybe it's a really poor self-esteem day for you. And the, the, the most honest thing to say to somebody is, I feel terrible. I'm a bad person. Nobody loves me. That's not going to attract anyone either. Uh, to me, radical authenticity is, again, back to Aristotle. Uh, Aristotle did teach about this idea of that we're all here to become the best version of a specific self. And that's what I suggest men and women do is we, we focus on growing. If you, you're an acorn on your way to becoming an oak. And it's, it's the growing into that oak that is sort of what life is about. And basically growing. Uh, and someone who's just walking around being radically honest, saying honest things, that's, they're, they're like my dad, just a grumpy old man who's, <laughs> who tells you that you're a jerk. <laughs> Don't be that. I love, I love my dad, by the way. Just using a grumpy old man as an example. Uh, there's, a, there's a certain power to combining that kind of honesty and realness, but with empathy and uh, paying attention, reading the room and making sure the other person feels comfortable. Yeah. So empathy is, I love that word. And I love, I love teaching empathy because a lot of people really are disconnected. How, how do you teach this? You know, so can you give us an example of someone you've worked with and how they transform through this work? Great question. I think of a guy named Ken. Ken's a client of mine. One of the first clients who really got me hooked on becoming a dating coach. Ken at the time he came to me, he's in his late 20s. He was an assistant college instructor at an East Coast college. Not his real name, by the way, but everything else is real. And Ken 
was in his late 20s. He'd never, not only had he never had a girlfriend, but he'd never even kissed a woman. He's still a virgin, naturally introverted guy, and also suffering from some self-esteem issues because he was a little on the short side, five foot six, five foot seven, and a little chubby. He kind of looked like Jonah Hill back when Jonah Hill was sort of coming up in the world of, of movies. Mm -hmm. And Ken had read those pickup artist books and he had tried the whole game thing and, and being alpha and putting on this mask. And we went out for a weekend in, in New York City. Part of what I do pre and post COVID is going out with guys side by side as their wingmen, literally shoulder to shoulder, talking to women and chatting and socializing. And Ken, I said to Ken, all right, forget all that pickup artist stuff, forget, but also let's forget, let's forget about that guy who thinks he's not enough. Let's show women a different Ken. Let's show them like your, your higher self, the best you. He even adopted a superhero name for the weekend. I think it was, um, I think it was Confident Ken, if I recall. Mm -hmm. So I called him Confident Ken the entire weekend. And I said, I want Confident Ken to show women the real him. And so he, and Ken loved knock-knock jokes. <laughs> Ken's a dork, like me. He loves knock-knock jokes and he reads ancient Greek literature and, and history. So he would walk up to girls and say, knock-knock. That was his opening line. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, would, he would talk about Plato and, 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 and you know, Homer. You know, every guy can quote Homer Simpson. Ken can quote Homer's Odyssey. Not your typical bar banter, right? So couple nights out with me in the city, Ken and I are chatting and he's just, he's walking taller, standing taller, and he's finding himself becoming attractive to women who like his type. In fact, there was a, a really pretty cool girl in cat eye glasses who even grabbed his phone and said, you better text me. I like, I like dorky, nerdy guys like you. And the highlight of the weekend, it was, it was a rooftop bar. Ken approached a tall, attractive uh, a woman who looked a lot like Gwyneth Paltrow, a tall, beautiful woman on a rooftop bar. And he was just in the zone. And I look over 10 or 15 minutes into their interaction. I look over and I, I see that he has leaned in and up because she's taller than he is. And he's kissing her. Mm -hmm. He's having the very first kiss of his life. And I've never knowingly until that moment watched somebody have the first kiss of their life. That's a pretty personal moment to be an observer of. Um, yeah. um, but so I almost had to look away to, to watch it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying they fell in love. It was just a drunken bar makeout. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't the beginning of marriage. But you know what? Sometimes one of the best moments of your life can be a drunken bar makeout with the right person at the right moment. And Ken, it was just great watching, watching that uh, story Ken had about, oh, I'm a dorky, dateless loser, and have him realize, wait a minute, I'm confident, awesomely dorky Ken, who likes knock-knock jokes and quotes Plato and kisses beautiful women on rooftop bars. Uh, it was a powerful moment to watch that, that story sort of disintegrate and have a new story etched in stone for him. Mm, great story. So what's your superhero name? It's Connell Effing Barrett. It's ah. so stupid. It's so stupid. Uh, CF, I, my clients call me CFB. And what I do with every client is every client of mine, and, and in the book, I also ask, ask the reader to do this. I have them name that lower, tortured, sad, you know, insecure self that we all have to a degree and attach a name to it that makes, that makes you feel pain, like 
you know, um, dateless loser Ken or whatever Ken's was, um, and have them name their higher self. I call it the higher self or mm -hmm. their authentic self, Connell effing Barrett, confident Ken. And it's really powerful because we've all, we all, and you tell me, Sandy, we all have these moments in life when we're just really present in the zone, feeling like we're just fully us. And that's the person that I want. That's the guy I want my clients to summon and go on dates and, and go out there and talk to women. And, and because that, that guy who ran the marathon or who crushed the business deal or who is a single dad and is an amazing dad and, and loves his kids and is just so himself with his kids, I want that guy come showing up on first dates. And if that guy shows up on first dates with women, with a few cool dating moves under his belt, then that might be his last first date. <laughs> uh, this is great. I I love the the higher self and the lower self, and I do similar work with my clients where I take them through mm. a guided visualization to access their highest self. It's their future self, and they mm. have to come up with a metaphor, um, something that that will stand for the essence of who this higher self is. A lot of people have trouble with this exercise, um, but I, I remember I had a client once who was this like really kind of buttoned up businesswoman, and her metaphor name was Tinkerbell. <laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> came to her in a guided meditation. I'm like, this is who you are at your core. You're this playful person, but you put all these guards up. And uh, that, that happens so often that we don't get to see this part of a person, this, this playful, really fun, joyous part, because you're so scared of getting hurt that you put up all these shields. And so I think, you know, just being able to access that is so important. I love that. Tinkerbell. I have my clients, I have my clients do a couple drills to help them find that name, but your listeners could, could try a, a drill right now. Basically I say, okay. Put yourself in that moment in your shower when you've it's it's Sunday fun day or it's Saturday, you're taking a shower, you, your music is on, your shower music is on, and your favorite song comes on and you start singing it and you're dancing and you're singing. What is that person's name? What is that present, unstifled, silly, playful, in the moment person who's just loving dancing and singing? That's your higher self. And that's the person that you want showing up on first dates. Except, you know, put clothes on first, wipe the soap <laughs> off. Um, That's great. So I have a question for you from my own personal experience. I've done so much work on myself and I come to dates as a single, you know, confident person. And mm. I meet so many men who just share their insecurities on the first date, on the first phone call. Uh you know, try to disqualify themselves almost, you know, have I scared you off yet? Um, here's some horrible things about me. Uh, or I had a guy recently who just hadn't dated in a long time. He still had the message on his voicemail from his fiance who had died and told me that it was seven years before. So he was very stuck and, sent me a text after we had dinner together to tell me that he saw that he had cheese on, in his teeth. And I mean, just, I get these, these are people that I vet already who are, have qualified to go on a first date. 
I'm just really having a problem meeting a confident man. And um, I'm wondering mm. if you have any good advice for me. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> find your Tinkerbell. No, uh, I think that in terms of where to find where to find better men, or how to draw those men out. I think a combination of both. Um, I just I meet a lot of men who are really insecure, and um, I don't feel inspired by them at all. And I truly okay. try to give them like a lot of empathy and uh, good listening and sharing and try to really tap into more of my feminine. And I still end up with these dates that don't go anywhere. Okay, yeah, I've got some advice for any woman listening and for yourself. You might wanna put this off for a couple more months as we, as we shift out of the COVID era as soon as possible, I hope. But a man's confidence is and any, anyone's confidence is always sort of shining through. You can see it in their walk. You can see it the way they dress. I'm talking about in real life, not necessarily with online dating. So my advice for you or any woman, and men love it when women do this, is when you see a man who's carrying himself with a certain confidence and he's, he's he has the, the look that you like and you're attracted to him at least by his appearance, but there's just sort of a sense of, ooh, who's that guy? Mm -hmm. He just has a way about him. Then approach him or make it easy for him to approach you. I think we're about to enter a phase once we're all released from our homes <laughs> where meeting people in real life is gonna be the hot new thing. Right. <laughs> we're gonna be, un we're about to be unleashed into the world. And I think 2021 is gonna be the best year ever for just meeting people in real life because we've all been cooped up inside. But back to your question, Sandy, men love it when a woman makes it clear that she's interested mm -hmm. or is inviting him to approach her. And we love it because men know how hard it is to approach a woman. So when a woman either approaches us or even just breaks the ice in an indirect way, making it easy for that conversation to begin, then it's the most men will take it from there and just feel so relieved that this is happening. Mm -hmm. So in a practical basis, let's say you might now feel comfortable doing this right now with COVID being a thing, but once we're all vaccinated and, and we're in a, a different world, if you're out in the world and you see that, that man who just looks like he exudes confidence, guess what? He probably has it. He probably does have it because our true self is always shining through. So break the ice with him. Pay him a compliment. The easiest way to do to approach anybody is to pay them a G-rated, sincere, specific compliment. Something that you like about them, the way they're carrying themselves, or the way the coffee that they ordered is the same coffee you ordered, uh, or that you like his tie, or you like his sneakers, something about his style. Just breaking that ice really helps men then say, hey, this cool, attractive woman is talking to me. The hard part is over. That breaking of the ice is always the hardest part of an approach. And then you'd be surprised how easy it is for two people who are attracted to each other to then change, exchange numbers and, and set up a date. Uh, and it's really hard for many men to do this, to be that icebreaker. And I think men need to learn it. It's one of the things I coach. But I say to women, hey, if you want to make it a little bit easier on us, that's great. Uh, 
I, I remember once being on a subway here in New York City and the a woman on the subway, a really pretty girl, uh, was with my nephew and niece at the time. So I didn't have, really have time to talk to her and flirt, but she just broke the ice about the train conductor's accent. She said, hey, did you hear that train conductor's accent? It was a Jamaican accent, which was completely unrelated to anything happening. She didn't really care about his <laughs> accent. I think she was just trying to talk to me, which I totally appreciated. And I felt so complimented and, and um, flirted with. And so, yeah, I would say um, drop a proverbial handkerchief. Mm -hmm. let, 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 let a confident looking man know that you're, you're interested in, in chatting with him. You might be surprised how, how good it will go and how he'll then he'll then take things from there if he's as confident as you hope. Yeah, good advice. One day when we're all released from our homes, I love it. Um, <laughs> I do the same thing online, by the way. I encourage women to make the first move to, you know, tell a man why she was attracted to his profile and attracted to him in some way without making it weird. Um, mm. So yeah, I think the green light piece is important because you know, people don't always approach people. They don't always know that people are open to being approached. And right, yeah. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the Me Too movement for a moment. And I know that mm -hmm. a lot has changed. We um, there's a lot of permission being asked, and sometimes it can be too much. And I, I would love to hear from you how you think the Me Too movement has affected dating and how you help men with those issues. I'm very, very glad the Me Too movement has happened. I, I just think it's so important. It's such an important, powerful cultural shift that we're finally paying attention as a culture to the abuse and harassment that women and girls have had to deal with essentially for for all of mankind, humankind. So it's overdue and completely necessary. So the first thing I would say to men listening is to understand that it's not about you guys. It's not about us. It's about women and what they've dealt with. It's about awareness. It's not about, oh, how does this affect me? Uh, now, don't get me wrong, I do help men navigate this area, and I think it's important to understand how to quote unquote date in the Me Too era. But here's what first, so the first, the first tip is for men is a don't. Don't make Me Too about you, too. Make it about women. Don't be the guy on a first date who says to a woman, and tell me if you've ever had something like this, Sandy, or if any of your female clients have. A man might say to a woman on a first date, well, you'll have to make the first move because, you know, of this era we're living in. Right. I'm not going to go for the kiss. You'll have to go for it. And I think that women hate that on two levels. One, it misses the point of the movement. Two, it, it tells her, well, she it tells her he just doesn't get us. Women still want men to be men, I believe. It's just that in the Me Too era, women want men to be men while, while, while being gentlemen while being empathetic, while being aware of how they're feeling. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that first the, the first step is just shifting your awareness as a man to, wait a minute, it's not about me, it's about women. And just understanding that I think is progress for most guys. And it took me some time to realize that myself, 
because we're always looking at the lens of how does this affect me? But hey, just for this issue, if, if this one and only issue, let's, 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 I say to men, let's make this about how does this affect women, not about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I think that what's great is that the vast, vast majority of men are good, solid guys. Yeah. They, they're well-meaning and overwhelming number, I would say. Uh, so this bodes really well for nice guys, for good guys, to be able to date from a place of empathy, kindness is, a, is another important word. I think women really need kind men in their lives. Um, now, this might lead to the, the concern men have about, oh, I don't want to be some nice guy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get put in the friend zone. I don't want to be Mr. Nice Guy. And I say, actually, if that's who you are, um, that's fine. Be that nice guy you are, as long as you have that that lens of authenticity, where you're being that nice introvert nerdy guy, or maybe you're being that nice hipster guy, if that's who you are, or maybe you're that nice single dad, or that nice jock, or maybe you are an extroverted outgoing guy. Great. Be that nice life of the party guy. You're not going to lose a woman because you're being too nice, I tell men. You will lose a woman if you are weak. Mm-hmm. If you are, if you doubt yourself, or if you don't sh- show a, a certain amount of of male leadership and and planning, and you know, like kind of like leading or taking turns leading a dance. Um, so yeah, I think the takeaway here for guys is yes, women still want men to be men. You can be a gentleman. You can flirt. You can hold doors open. You can go for that first kiss, but uh, but don't just go for that first kiss blindly without knowing when the right time is, be present. Notice the signals. Um, Guide her through a process of letting her know that first kiss might be coming soon because you've both been flirting and getting closer and closer. So I think that the Me Too movement, I think it's a win-win. It's a win for women because we're finally paying attention to such an important, powerful issue. And it's a win for good, solid guys because guess what? Women want good, solid guys. As long as those good, solid guys have confidence in themselves and empathy for women. Beautiful. I I think what happens with the nice guy syndrome, so to speak, is... uh, Mm. It's, I think this is what, what really gets confused here is people pleasing, um, people who are nice yes. while right, negating their own needs and just, I'll do anything for you. And that's not authentic. And so the word authentic is really important here, where if you're really truly being yourself, you're not just trying to win people over by agreeing with everyone because that's boring and it's not you. Exactly. Exactly. On, on a date and, or in any dating context, it's great to please the other person as long as it's organic mm-hmm. and, and part of the natural chemistry and connection you have. I want to please the woman I'm, I'm on a date with, assuming we like each other. That's sort of the point, right? Is we please yeah. each other. We meet each other's needs. However, and I, I Sandy, I, I didn't just live in the friend zone. I owned real estate there. I was the mayor of the friend zone for years and years. I was, I spent more time in the friend zone than Walter Payton spent in the end zone. Okay. So I know all about being too nice of a guy and um, what helped me a lot 
to make a big change when I kind of started to quote unquote get it was I said, why I'm not, I'm not really being myself with these women on first dates. I'm not acting the way I act with my good friends or my family or people I'm comfortable with. I'm not, in other words, I'm not being authentic. I'm not speaking, I'm not showing my true sense of humor. I can be, you know, cheeky, sarcastic, smart ass. Uh, I was always a Letterman fan. So I have like a kind of a David Letterman smart ass side of me, but I was hiding that side on dates. I was being that people pleaser that you described, leaning in, uh, just hoping the date went well, saying whatever it is I thought she wanted to hear, rather than speaking a, a genuine unfiltered truth or a relatively unfiltered truth. And, and that's when I realized, you know, you know I'm going to start going on dates and just be, this is around the time I had that big epiphany where I just said, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to be really authentic. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to go out and, and kind of shoot from the hip a little bit more and be a little bit cheeky, be a bit sarcastic, borderline cocky at times, maybe too much at first, but essentially be more me. And some women didn't like it. But guess what? The women who liked it loved it. Uh, the women who loved it said, wow, I really like this guy. He's nerdy. He's, he's kind of a smart, nerdy, but also he's got kind of a smart ass side. And they, some women like that. That's who I am. So I'm going to attract women who like that kind of fun banter. That might not be every woman's cup of tea, but set by, by, gen, by that, with, it, with that genuine, authentic expression, letting the chips fall, just kind of speaking true, truer, authentic thoughts. You're sure you're not going to get every girl, every guy, but you're going to be much more attractive and charismatic to the person who likes that type, who likes your type. And you're not going to be a people pleaser and you're going to show that strength. That's that backbone. That's really, really important to people. Um, tell me if you agree with this. One of the best pieces of advice I got was I, I met a, a beautiful, successful actress and model who said, hey, we love nice guys. Women love nice guys. She said, nice guys are sexier than six pack abs. It's a quote I'll never forget. As long as that guy has strength and confidence. Yes. That's the, that, as long as he has a backbone, he can't, he can't be a nice guy and a pushover and a people pleaser. Show us a backbone. You can be the nicest guy on the planet. I think that, I thought that was great advice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the reasons I married my husband is because he pushed back. You know, he was a nice guy and he pushed back with me and he said to me, I, I'll never forget. Um, I used, I, when I met him, I was, I was so sarcastic and I had such a tough exterior and I was cursing all the time, which I still like to do, but I, I was cursing all the time. <laughs> and he said, oh, you know, I, I, something like, you know, you don't, you don't have to stoop to that level. Like you're, you're higher. Mm. I can see like you have a higher self than that. Um, and that was attractive to me that he saw that there was a side to me that didn't have to be covered up with all this tough guy, truck driver kind of persona. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were other reasons why I got divorced, but it was still, that was really appealing to me. Uh, there were very few people who would actually call me on my, on my crap. <laughs> yes. And that's one of my favorite things to do on a date, not in a, not in a manipulative way, mm -hmm. necessarily. It's not even calling a, a person on their crap. It's more, it's more like pulling a woman's, pulling a girl's pigtails like you did when you were in fifth grade because you <laughs> liked her, mm -hmm. uh, proverbially, of course. Um, <laughs> and letting, letting your date know that 
you're uh, willing to have fun and tease her a little bit, not as a move so much or a nag as pickup artists call it, but more like as an invitation to spar and banter yeah, and create a little bit of chemistry. Um, again, I don't do it so much. I don't force it so much as, or, and I don't suggest my clients force it, but I say to my clients, Hey, do you, do you bust balls with your best guy friends? Do you tease them? Do you talk, talk quote unquote shit? And if they say, yeah, totally. I say, great. Let that side of you come out on a date. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where you can be challenging to women, but in an authentic way, not in some kind of a gamey way. Um, you know, a woman might say to me on a date, she loves the Beatles and her favorite movie is The Godfather, which are my two favorites. I'll say, oh my God, marry me. You're incredible. <laughs> we have the same taste. Right. But she might say, she might say, yeah, my favorite movie of all time is Legally Blonde. And I'll say, um, so I got to go now. I just remembered <laughs> I have to wash my cat. Um, you'll get the check. Um, I'll Venmo you. Nice meeting you. Uh, I'll just, you know, tease her a little bit. Yeah. Um, or I'll say, yeah, I'll say, why, why, why are all the coolest girls have such terrible taste in movies? Legally Blonde? What, are you crazy? Is your favorite, is your favorite book of all time, whatever is scrolling on Facebook right now? Just, <laughs> just for fun, just for banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so just play, yeah, playful challenges. It, it creates, a, it, it, it's an, I'm, I'm Irish, Irish, you know, Irish background. And the Irish in Ireland, there's sort of a culture there of, um, you, you tease each other as an opportunity to give them the chance to tease you back. It's like, it's kind of like you take turns messing with each other and it creates a fun kind of spark in chemistry, whether it's friendships, but all, it also works great on dates. So I suggest to men and women, hey, if you're, if you're a teasing smart ass with your friends, be that way on first dates. It can really spike the connection and chemistry. Mm. Yeah, I, I think we've lost the art of teasing and being playful and and just having fun. You know, it's it really is fun to tease people, but not to the point of being mean. That's right. where people sometimes tip over the edge. But uh, yeah, so this is this is all great advice. I would love to hear a little bit about your book. I know it's coming out in May. It's very exciting. Tell us tell us why you wrote it and what you hope the readers will take away. I wrote Dating Sucks But You Don't because I wanted men to have a very step-by-step -step roadmap to help them learn, learn, learn to flirt, learn how to find that confidence from inside, that real confidence, and get a great relationship, get a great girlfriend, all, but, but doing it all in a very authentic, respectful way, uh, not as sketchy pickup artist. I just felt like it was the perfect sort of book, the idea for the Me Too era. And I think that the big enemy here that men need, the, the dragon that men need to slay is self-doubt. Feeling on some level like they're just not enough. Like, oh, I'm not tall enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not something enough. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. We all do to a degree, but in dating, it's something that that can become a real chronic problem. So this book is about helping men sort of understand, hey, you have worth. I love how you talk about the value women need to see in themselves here on your podcast, Sandy. I think that's brilliant and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And my book is largely about, here's how to find the worth inside of you. And on a more practical level, the book is about, is about making a conscious choice that, hey, this is fixable. 
I feel like we kind of go through our love lives, men do, feeling like like the, those those striped balls on a billiard pool table. We're, we're, we're victims of the white ball. We're getting smashed around the table. We're, we're at the effect of, of the world, of our love life. We're not the cause of it. And essentially, dating sucks, but you don't is about, is about making a conscious choice that, hey, I can decide to have a great dating life. I can put a plan into action, which is what the book is. It's, hey, here's your plan, very step-by-step plan. Uh, and you can make a choice to find love and confidence because as I, as I tell my clients, if you aren't consciously choosing a great dating life, then you're consciously choosing a poor one. So I say, choose a great one. Great advice. I, I think that people don't realize how much power they have to change the way they see themselves. And once you realize like you can, you have the awareness, this isn't working, you realize, okay, that might feel painful to actually admit that things aren't working, but to know that there's a path to improvement is incredibly empowering. And I've just watched my son go through this process. And it's, it's, he, he said to me the other day, I feel like I'm floating because he's hmm. so connected to his core, to his essence. And he's, hmm. he, he works in retail and he's been really practicing his confidence and his playfulness with everyone he's talking to in the retail world. And it's, it's fascinating, you know, and he sees like people are gravitating towards him because he's, he's confident and he's changed how he sees himself and how he shows up in the world. So this stuff really works. And it's, um, I'm really glad that you've written this book for, for men because there's so much out there that really is not authentic and I love, mm. I love your approach. So I, yeah, wish you good luck with, with the sales of the book. And uh, tell, us, tell us how we can find you and uh, how our audience can get in touch. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, well, the book's available for pre-sale on Amazon, Dating Sucks But You Don't. You can pre-order it now. And if you just want some fun, free advice, free stuff. Uh, my website is datingtransformation.com. And I write a column called Ask the Dating Coach. And people ask me questions about how do I stop getting ghosted? How do I approach? How do I get over rejection? And some of my best advice is uh, my column uh, at datingtransformation.com. So you can read that every week. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Colin, for uh, Connell for coming on the show today and sharing your wisdom with our audience. I really loved hearing your stories and uh, your wise advice for men. And really, it's it's advice for women too. I would say we all can we all can use some confidence building exercises and and uh, tap into more empathy, grace, and authenticity. Thank you, Sandy. Congratulations on a great podcast. 400 plus episodes is super impressive. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thanks everybody for listening today. And if you love our show, please rate and review us. It really helps so much and keeps us growing even bigger. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. 